right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's Happening in Travel. And I'm laughing because this is actually our third take. We're having internet issues today. And we have a special guest on. His name is Josh Cahill. And um, Josh is like the current, um, well, I think he's probably the biggest guy who does uh, airline flight reviews out there. So basically, he gets on a plane, he gets his video camera out, and he takes pictures, and he talks about it, and it's usually in business classes. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but Josh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us what you do uh, so we can get started. Go ahead. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on today's show. And um, yeah, finally, now it's working on our third take. Yeah, but my name is Josh, Josh Cahill. I am probably at the moment the most watched uh, flight reviewer um, with over 65 um, million views uh, on my YouTube channel. And as you already said, uh, yeah, I do. I'm self-funded. I book airplane tickets and then I review the product. And it's not factually correct that I'm always in business class. It just looks like <laughs> it because actually 75% of my flights are in the back in the economy. And, um, but of course, I make it look nice and make it look, but it's probably because I only uh, post the business class photos. Uh-huh. Uh, that's probably what you out. see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like on my, on my channel, it is the majority uh, is actually economy class reviews just to um set that straight <laughs> okay well thanks for that thanks for setting that straight i always wondered about that but um so uh, i know kushra has a ton of questions but i have one more for you before kushra jumps in how did you get started doing all this like probably like uh like everything it was a hobby of before i was writing so i had a blog but i'm a terrible writer and i hate writing it's just absolutely not for me but i think i was good with seo so people would just google my air- airline reviews and uh, then i started picking up a camera when i started flying and i just realized that people are actually watching it though it was like to me the most boring content ever but because the aviation industry was like growing so fast and like people were actually researching their choices they have uh yeah i kind of end up uh turning a hobby into a job so i was just doing it on the site when i lived in beijing in china and then i moved back to germany and i didn't know what to do with my life had a bit of money saved up and i started like booking flies etc like did videos and I, yeah, I got stuck ever since. Um, and now, yeah, here I am. <laughs> How long ago was this when you started reviewing airline flights? I started as uh, on my blog, probably like 2014. The YouTube channel, I okay. started 2018. I see. It's relatively yeah. new. It is, so, it is. And it's shocking how far, how quick it grew and how, uh, yeah, like it's been a, a fantastic journey um, because I think it was also something new that um, that there is someone who speaks for the customers, not for the airlines. You know, you had a lot of like influencers, you had yeah. YouTubers who were always invited by the airlines. And while I have been doing this in the beginning as well, like when there was inaugural flights or something, I would not uh, miss out on that opportunity. But after all, people like, like enjoyed my honesty, my straightforward opinions and things. And I realized, oh, hold on, I booked, I, I paid for my own flight. I can say whatever I want. There is no uh, uh, t- like agreements, and like people started really appreciating that. And I think that was something that um, that is um, what my channel is mostly known about. Hmm. And how do you decide which airline to review or which flight to take? 
like how much in advance do you plan oh it can be like until like a, a day before when i just realized oh my god like china eastern just put a uh, 350 on this new route and i'm like just nearby so why uh, am i not going to review this but sometimes else like usually i say a month for two months in advance okay. it always depends what there is interesting to me what is interesting to my audience what is new you know like there's always of course a focus on new airplanes and inaugural flights um but generally i'm also like somebody who's made a name for himself to travel very exotic airlines so I've been to Afghanistan. Uh, I go to Africa quite often, and um, people really enjoy uh, uh, having them featured as well. So, so, um, so let me interject this in here because um, Josh said he's made a name for himself, and, <laughs> and the reason I'm laughing is because Josh gets in trouble when he flies, and so um, it, it, there's always something. Because what happens is that he's very straightforward, as he says, right? So he will say how he feels about a particular service. And what happens is that the marketing people are watching, the consumers are watching, and a lot of people love their native airlines. So Josh, was, like, what's the latest controversial thing that happened, Josh? There hasn't been a lot of controversial things recently. Um, and then it's, what is con uh, controversial as well? Like, I think this is something we have really have to deep, like dive into it. But um, uh, the last thing that created well, some hiccups. Turkish. You were on Turkish just recently, right? But it wasn't met with media attention. Let's say it that way. Like, if you mean controversial, controversial, you know, Malaysia. when the media talks about, uh, yeah, Malaysia, Singapore <laughs> Airlines, uh, Tun Tunis Air, Tun uh, Tunis Air. That was, okay. I think, in August. That is what uh, was also covered by the BBC. What happened? Uh, uh, well, I was taking a flight. And, you know, okay, like, let's, uh, I mean, sort of viewer understands. Um, I had a very interesting flight in 2018 with Malaysia Airlines, which uh, didn't work as well. And I was cut off from service during the flight. And uh, a lot of things have happened and the media picked up on the video. So it made headlines all around the world. And then all of a sudden I was branded as the guy or troublemaker, which I'm not at all, actually, you know, but like, of course, you got to be outspoken. You got to be vocal. You got to be uh, very um, uh, like, I wouldn't say clickbaity, but you have to have a title that sticks out. You know, and when I said uh, Malaysia Airlines, how I was bullied by the cabin crew, um, it, it was a title that really I provoked a lot of opinions. And while a lot of people were on, on my side, uh, people usually tend to say, oh, this is dramatic or an influencer didn't get what he wanted. But people don't know, most people don't know that I'm paying for my own flights. So as I said, like I'm taking a stand for 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 the customers. You know, I'm like um, the Robin Hood of aviation. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a, what a great comparison. But yeah, I mean, like it happens. So what happened with Tunisia? Tunisia. Uh, Tunis, uh, Tunis era I flew during the pandemic and I uh, had an early flight. I arrived at the lounge. It was abandoned. There was an ashtray. There was like leftovers and whatever. And I was filming and around. I was like, what's happening here? And then I went on the flight. It was really filthy. And in business class, they only had uh, muffin and cheese. And uh, so the overall video i made it just look like uh you know a tunis air really like is this really what you can and like a tunis air because they have such a terrible reputation back home there's been always like uh, things going on 
Mm. Um, people start picking up because they say like, okay, we Tun- Tunisian, we've always been complaining about uh, Tunis Air, but nothing ever happened. And now finally, you know, a white guy comes and uh, people yeah. tend to listen more if it's a foreigner. And it made headlines all wow. around the Middle East. It was in Al Jazeera, it was in BBC, uh, because it took such a dynamic. And uh, people were very grateful that I called them out. And uh, apparently the next day, the, the lounge was spotless. Um, and it was staffed. <laughs> They're like, their planes were as well. Like all of a sudden they had hot food. So this is what I'm saying. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for you guys. I'm doing it for everyone who travels because I have the voice. I have the audience uh, uh, to call those airlines out. And so I, I, I judge them by their promises they make. Gotcha. Uh, go ahead, Kosher. So um, do they, when you board the aircraft do they know that you are i guess the word is influencer or do you stay anonymous for the most part i stay anonymous like that is always my mission uh unfortunately because these days i've there's over like uh, it's millions and millions of people have seen my content there's a lot of airlines who use my videos for training purposes as well so I do get recognized every time I fly British Airways. There's no way like that. Every time the crew just says like, Hey, Josh, first class, you want to sit up front there? You know, that is, that is like, it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder, like to stay anonymous. And uh, uh, maybe I should come up with a wick or uh, be more creative in the future, but I, like, exactly undercover but like so far it's still very good and i think most of the time the cabin crew is really busy uh like that they can recognize some faces but like this usually most of the time as there's also passengers who know me so it's harder these days but uh, luckily we have a pandemic so you can wear a mask so they don't recognize you that Uh, (laughs) quickly (laughs) and speaking of pandemic josh you've taken a number of flights during the pandemic right um what have you seen out there I have been left heartbroken, I'd say. You know, in the beginning, um, when you... So I was grounded in Bali for uh, quite some time. And then uh, when uh, the the situation improved and and travel warnings were removed, I went back to Europe. And um, I started flying during a pandemic. My first flight was long haul on Turkish Airlines. And I just realized what impact it had. You had a crew that was policing you had no onboard food and turkish airlines is known for the catering it's amazing mm-hmm. and you had to wear a mask for an entire flight etc etc which i know of course there are like um, some actions like uh, some uh, things they have put in place are debatable especially when it comes to food uh, but of course it's necessary that we all protect ourselves that we wear a mask and i'm all for it you know so um but i realized when i saw the empty airports i saw uh, the empty uh, aprons and whatever it was it was heartbreaking you know and it is the constant um, the constant worry also about uh, is your flight gonna gonna happen or not so it's 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 very difficult lots of testing I had over 20 COVID tests wow so it's a new reality so did, <laughs> did you do the was it the, the quick test or was it the PCR tests or a combination I, I'm taking it Mostly the PCR tests, um, because in order to uh, enter certain countries, uh, you have to have a test. There's also countries who do testing on arrival. Iceland, for example, or far islands, uh, Dubai as well. Um, or else to get into Dubai, you need to have a test before. So um, it's not just like that you book a ticket, but you also have to figure out, oh, okay 
can I even enter the country? Do I need a test? How long in advance do I need a test? All and these do, things. Do you pay for these tests or some of them are part of the ticket price that you bought? There is no such thing yet that is part of the ticket uh, price. Not that another uh, that I'm aware of that. Like there are uh, airlines that have like COVID insurances and stuff. But in Iceland, for example, I had to pay on arrival. They have like a very uh, professional system set up. Uh, you swipe your card. You done for the Faroe Islands, for example. You it's a very small uh, uh, part of like Denmark. It's a very small territory. And uh, they have like 200 arrivals a day. So everybody was tested, but that was a part of the government initiative. So it was it was uh, for free, but Dubai as well. But then, for example, other countries, to, in order to even be able to board the plane, you have to pay for your own test. Gotcha. Okay. Go ahead. When they test you on arrival, do you have to wait in a specific designated area or... It is pretty much like I'm a passport. Yeah, that's... like a, it's pretty much like a passport control. You know, there was line, there was of course social okay. distancing, and then uh, you have okay. like five gates of uh, ten gates. You go in one. They they uh, do the test, and how mm-hmm. uh, you go? You know, and then the next person uh, comes. Like uh, in uh, far, it was a tent. In in Dubai, it was it was some boxes. Like in the arrival hall, um, they're very creative about it. But it pretty much works like a passport control. You know, like there's a queue, social distance. You go to one door or one box, you get your test, and you go. Okay. And yeah. when you board these flights, do you typically have a preferred seat? And uh, how do you decide whether you're going to travel in economy or uh, premium cabins? It's always a matter of the price, I guess, as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's and really, and yeah, that's that's for sure. Because I'm not playing really the the, the miles game. Like I have, I'm getting a little bit into it. I bought some miles and stuff like that. But most of my flights, I am very conservative. And everybody who does those things is probably like cringing right now. Like, oh, I only have a debit card. Um, have never really gotten into the Amex and uh, all those travel rewards. Um, but um, most of the time, it really depends on, uh, yeah how much it is. Um, sometimes I have already covered the business class. So I decided okay. to uh, travel in economy class. It always really depends on the, on the situation because I do enjoy a good economy class product, you know, and if I think this is more relevant right now, then, uh, then the business class product and like, uh, that's, that's what I go for. You know, that is, um, uh, that's how it works for me. So Josh, okay. it, it's a, um, hold on one second, Kusha, as you said no, that, okay. Josh, um, Americans listening to this are like, is he crazy? How do you not get points and stuff for this stuff for the the um, the flights that you take? And do you have a do you have like um are you do you have any status with any of these airlines? Or are you just like Joe Traveler? Or no, no, no. I, <laughs> no, no I, of course, I do collect miles for all my flights, but right. um, I don't have. I never took advantage of it because I come from a culture in Germany, especially where. It's, incredibly hard to even get a credit card and it's even harder if you don't have any credit history um however uh, all my all my bank accounts are in australia because i lived in australia most of my life and uh, there i have never like really and i haven't established a like because i'm not physically there you know um most of the time it's really hard to apply and then uh that has been the issue for me if i if i could i like uh, apart from the fact that i'm really bad about all those ticks uh, like tips and tricks um but i'm also like um 
yeah, I it's really hard for me to actually get my hands on those on those cards. You know, yeah. uh, yes. that is, and I know for all Americans who are crazy about points and miles and etc. And I'm slowly getting into it. Just recently, I purchased, um, I think it was sixty thousand or sixty five thousand miles of Aeroplan, which I think is the uh, uh, the program of Air Canada, uh-huh. and that uh, that made me like so I could book a flight on Etihad first class uh, from Dubai to London, which was very interesting. So I got a little bit into it you know but i like since i'm the economy class traveler i'm still okay with it but i should i know maybe that's uh, something uh, to focus on next year uh, there you go go ahead Kisha. and um uh, do you get any sort of uh, special treatment or warnings uh you know when you're videotaping or taking photos of every single thing it has once happened. you're on board uh, it, of course, I mean, uh, like I have uh, over 500 flights ever since I started that channel. And uh, I'm always very respectful about my camera. I have a GoPro. I uh, It is not very that visible. And I don't ever film any crew unless they mm-hmm. don't have an issue to be part of it. However, there are cultures who are more fragile to cameras than most of Asia. Asia is always a very, um, a very easy uh, experience because it's part of their culture. When you come to India, I have been, for example, or I had good experience, but I've also been told off and I've been told that it was annoying. <laughs> so um, there <laughs> have been there have been things, you know, but I have tried for me, the most important thing is that the crew feels, feels, feels comfortable, you know, and I don't necessarily think that crew... It treats you better when they see a camera. Most of the time, it's even more like, okay, you are a creep. You have a camera. You're filming yourself. What's wrong with you? You know, you get more of this, <laughs> this cold shoulder. Yeah, you'd be surprised. While other country, like, but uh, while other crews, they recognize that opportunity, especially when you fly Qatar Airways, for example. They see you have a camera, and they know this is going to go online somewhere. So let's just like perform. We know what we can. So let's do it. Like I have experienced a lot from being like. Um, uh, being told off i can't film or i uh, but nobody has ever called security on me or or something like this but it has been uh flights where i was filming secretly and i was always looking oh is the person coming or not because i was like told <laughs> off but it's like it's you know part of my journey and i don't think i don't see a crime in filming yourself and uh, there always needs to be an opposition you know to uh whatever there is out there so if, if, if airlines airlines need to be reviewed and we uh, need to give customers a voice so i don't see the crime in it so i'm um, but yeah, there's some hiccups occasionally, but uh, they are beca- becoming less okay. and less. <laughs> yeah. And do you in, sometimes or all the time um, check in a bag just to see how fast their baggage service is? Or is it just an, on, an onboard experience? It is uh, basically the onboard experience. So everything, uh, once I get on the plane, uh, uh, sometimes I cover the lounge as well, if it's something uh, people Mm -hmm. are interested in. Uh, But I do check the bag because I always want to have free hands. You know, if I have like, I have a carry on, but like I'd rather check it. And uh, so I have my hands free for my camera and all that kind of stuff. So I don't have to like push the trolley, you know, and like have the camera on the other hand. So this is the only reason, but like, I know, like I'm not about like uh, performance (laughs) and ground because it's ground stuff heavy like this. So you can't judge an airline like uh, Mm. because I always get told of and I say, oh, Turkish Airlines broke my back. I will get 50 uh, emails saying, no, it's the ground stuff that works for them. You know, so you can't blind them. Yeah, but well, when people say that, I'm like, but that's a poor excuse, right? And passengers always think that. It's like, 
you hired that ground staff to take care of your airline, just like a regular passenger. So I, I don't tell me that it's a ground staff. It's the airline that's responsible for it. And that happens. Absolutely. To me. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I think I was in, um, was it Amsterdam? And, um, th- and I saw the grown hand in people and they're treating people like crap. And the problem with the industry is um, they need to take better control of that. I know they want to save money, but I don't care who I'm talking to. You are representing the airline. So I don't like when people say that and people just don't seem to understand, it. but that's just my personal. Opinion. Yeah, no, of course. And it, it, it makes, it makes ground stuff look really bad as well. You know, I, I mean, uh, I, I've always been lucky until, until this year, like I've uh, had my luggage broken twice this year, uh, <laughs> but before it has never really happened, but yeah, I, I think so that's the first time. I, I did see you were not very happy about that at all. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, it shouldn't happen, you know, and the way it was broken, you could tell. And then because, I mean, I have so many followers from all around the world and there's like, it was a baggage handler uh, from Belgium got in touch with me and he said, yeah, uh, Ethiopian Airlines is one of our customers. You wouldn't believe what they want us to do. They said like, like if the squeeze them in throw them in it doesn't matter we leave even cargo behind uh whatever it is treat the cargo as poorly as possible you know and uh when i then posted and said oh well done ethiopian airlines um i got hundreds of messages from like frequent flyers who say yes that always happens when i fly ethiopian airlines as well so um i guess there is some truth to it you know and this is what i mean like i don't want to like blame and shame an airline but like hey if i if i I break someone's back i have no no choice but to pay for it you know but i didn't even demand this i'm like not even like going out there and say hey get a get a new back you know if the pr department would watch and see oh damn we broke his back and that's going on the internet so maybe we should try and sort something out but like um those are golden opportunities i so i put the ball there and they just have to like kick it right into the goal mm-hmm. and they score it would be an easy one you know like to recover like service recovery but uh, they don't do that and uh and, and that is, you know, up, up, up to them, but like, uh, like I'm giving them opportunities, you know, yeah. as well, it, like to, to make up. That's so weird though, because, um, I know with, with the U S if the airline breaks your bag, you take it to baggage service and, um, they oftentimes they have other bags there that they can give it, give you one. Otherwise they will take care of repairing. it. And this wasn't the case when you flew to open. No. I I've reached out and uh, until today I haven't re- I haven't heard back from them. Uh, that's bizarre. Yeah, it's really surprising because surprising. I mean Ethiopian is generally considered to be one of the best run and best managed companies in Africa. Yeah, so that's so, a little weird. But of course, I'll be on without, without sounding racist or judgmental. And as much as I love aviation in Africa, and you probably know that, Kevin, I spend a lot of time like covering the airlines, mm-hmm. um, meaning uh, the uh, being the best run airline in Africa is a very different standard to what we have here in, 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 in Europe. And, you know, they have done an incredible job. They have created they have the most safest uh, uh, planes. And I took a huge stand for them once that uh, two years ago, the 737 MAX uh, accident happened where everybody was going after saying, oh, it's an African Airlines. They have poor maintenance, which is absolutely not true. You know, they are an excellent airline with an 
absolute amazing um, management. But when it comes to service, the service idea in Africa is a little bit different, a mindset than we have it in, in, in Europe. And I think this is the big weakness still that the service industry hasn't grown and, and um, developed as much as in, 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 in Europe or in America or in Asia or in Australia. But the thing is, I need to judge them on, 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 their, on their counterparts and star lines, you know, and this is what, That's right. what, yeah. what, 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 of course, I put them up there. I mean, I've given them the biggest honor I could possibly give because I look at them eye to eye, like on the same height. I said, okay, you guys, I compare you with Lufthansa and what they have. And, you know, and they are excellent in many fields, but this is where uh, this, the ground experience, the service experience is still lacking uh, immensely. And this is something the airline has to work on. And I hope this kind of feedback improves it, you know? Yeah, and, and you're right, because <laughs> like I've flown... So I like Turkish Airlines and Turkish Airlines is really great in the air, but on the ground, they're terrible. Um, you ask them to do one thing and say, hey, can you do this? They're like, no. Because I was in um, Istanbul at the old airport and I wanted to change a flight and I went to the lounge. I'm a Star Alliance Gold member and I was using the lounge and I talked to them. I said, I'd like to go on this flight instead of the later one. They go, no, you can't change. The flight was wide open. They go, you need to call a reservation. So I call a reservation and she goes, where are you? I said, I'm at the airport. She goes, then why are you calling me? I said, because they told me to call you. She goes, no, they need to take care of it. And I had them talk to her and they're like, no, we can't do it. So some airlines- That's laziness, yeah. That's it, it just is. being- It, it yeah, is, right? It's just being lazy. Frank, frankly, I can tell you this is like, oh, I can't be bothered because if I look after you now for 15 minutes, I have to do stuff I don't like. You know, For me, it's just so easy to, to uh, send you away. You know, I, I worked in the hospitality industry. I have done it, You know, <laughs> to be honest, and I know what it's like, but this is making a difference in how you, how you train your stuff. Yeah, I got you. Kusha, I, I know you have a question, go. <laughs> and um, I, I don't mean to be stereotypical, but um, apart from the usual suspects, like let's say Qatar or the Middle East Airlines, do you feel that um, Asian carriers in general have a better service standard than other airlines across the rest of the world? Oh, yeah. Is there a favorite or a, a, a group of favorite carriers that you have? Oh, yeah. Consistent? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's true. I mean, like first of all, like once again, it's a cultural thing that uh, service is more in their blood than it is in our blood. You know, white people they don't like to serve, and white people have more attitude uh, generally than Asian people have, and they have been that uh, they have that service culture for years. And there was like amazing airlines, like Singapore Airlines. EV, uh, EVA or EVA Air, mm -hmm. uh, China Airlines, uh, ANA, Japan Airlines, um, Malaysia Airlines as well. Like this is this are airlines who have a very strong focus, like uh, focus on on service, and it's 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 literally in their blood, you know. And they are uh, they they built their airlines on it. Plus they have beautiful uh, heart products. They have great seats. They mm -hmm. have the, the newest airplanes. So um, this is a trend you can absolutely see. So I always prefer to fly an Asian airline over a Western airline because it's more of a gamble. You know, I'm not a huge fan of Lufthansa, for example, or for like, um, uh, like, however, British Airways, I've always been very, very lucky. But like, um, as I said, like Asian airlines, most of the time, and especially in the premium cabin, you will have a very good flight most of the time. That's guaranteed. 
And uh, just a purely selfish question, but when you travel on a foreign carrier, foreign as in outside of the Western Hemisphere, mm-hmm. when you choose your meal, do you choose the local option or do you choose the, I want to say, Western option? It always... Or does it not depend? It depends. It that really depends how how I feel. It's interesting. Like usually on foreign on Western airlines, I try to go for the Asian options, and then when okay. I fly when I fly Asian airlines, most of the time I go for the Western options. Quite interesting. I had a I had a great um, uh, Korean meal on Aeroflot. I was flying to Seoul from from um, from Moscow, and it was a business class, and it was it was it was great. And then like, sometimes I do really like. I like I like a good steak, for example. You know, when you fly a premium airline, I rather you rather try what uh, what you really know, where you have a bit of a knowledge about, like uh, the wine. But I do occasionally really try um, the local option, not as often though. Okay. But um, I do occasionally uh, if it's not too spicy. <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. So, so yeah. how do you find? Um, so whenever I fly um, premium uh, cabins. I don't do the steak because I like my meat a little overdone <laughs> by Western <laughs> standards. And it's always yeah. so red. So do you find that, I mean, how do you like your beef for, for want of a, of a better question? And is it okay when it's done in the air? Uh, but I like my my steak probably alive. That's how, <laughs> oh, how, see, and I'm the complete how, opposite. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it, it it should be it should be red. Like um, this is how I really like it. But it's really hard to get a good steak uh, in the air. Some are pre cooked. Some are actually done on the uh, on the pine. But with steak, it's it's a win win. It really also depends who does the catering for you and how much you spend on quality meat. Actually, you know that makes a difference. Gotcha. So, so okay then. So yeah. with that said, um, do you have a favorite airline? Do I have a favorite airline? When it comes to consistency, yes, I would probably say it's Qatar Airways. Uh, I also uh, quite enjoy Singapore Airlines. I like Qantas because I've been. I've lived in Australia most of my life, excuse me. And uh, I like how uh, Qantas has this Australianness to it, you know, and um, how they have really worked on their product and how they um, developed already in their food is incredible. Crew is always great, you know, and like, um, I like their branding as well. But um, yeah, like I'd say my favorite airline uh, are usually the ones based in Asia, I always try. Like I do have for my job, I have to always try different airlines. Uh, but yeah, Singapore Airlines uh, is probably up there okay. with Qatar. Yeah, mm. and EVA. I really like EVA. Uh, the yeah. the Hello Kitty carrier from Taiwan. Yeah, I still haven't flown that plane. It used to fly here into Houston, but um, it stopped even pre-COVID. And um, have you know. flown EVA though? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I flown EVA. Yeah. Yeah, I did them on a long haul. Would you say Thailand. EVA or do you say Eva? Uh, Eva. I say Eva. <laughs> Eva. Eva, but some people say EVA because <laughs> it's capital EVA, right? <laughs> that, that is right. Do you say SAS or SAS? Uh, SAS. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say? I used to say SAS. Yeah. But now I say SAS. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I, I guess it depends on which part of the world you're from, right? 
because I yeah, used to yeah. like the uh, the Viking livery, you know, with that mm. blue uh, stripe. Yeah. Yes, especially uh, on a DC ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, but um, uh, just on the flip side of the question, Corwin asked you, without being too specific, is there a specific group of carriers that you would not recommend, even though that is so subjective? <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot, but oh no, no, like I, I, I like I'm, I like to be be put on the spot, you know, because uh, I'm I'm all about uh, honest feedback, and I always try to tell people uh, what I think and which airlines are good and which are not. Um, it is very it's very difficult um, because you can't judge an airline by a single flight, but that's right. That's you, exactly right. That is that is right, but there is definitely airlines out there where you know that you definitely have a better experience than mm-hmm. um, on Especially others. Especially cleanliness, right? On board. Yeah, say again. That's a dead giveaway. Uh, uh, well, it is. It is. It is. It is. It is tough. There is no formula where you can say um, an airline is going to be good. Or is not you know mm-hmm. you can sometimes tell from the check-in experience you can tell from the ground experience uh you can tell uh by the attitude of the stuff uh that uh like especially when you're bored like how uh how how are you being greeted at the door um it is it is it is really hard to say there's no formula that you can say okay this is an airline this is going to be good or this is not uh, this is one that is, but uh, when you are in the industry, you hear kind of things, you know, there are definitely airlines in decline. For example, uh, Turkish airlines is being really hit by the pandemic and what they want to stand for. And it was an amazing catering uh, has, has changed. And it's an airline that has, it, it, it had like, it was is de- delusional in their expanding efforts, building one of the biggest um, air, uh, airports in the world, ordering hun- hundreds and hundreds of airplanes and not having the staff properly trained and having no real strategy where you say in the long run, I can tell you that uh, Turkish Airlines will not recover from this pandemic for a very long time and that will suffer, the service will suffer and the brand itself will suffer. Is that really from a lot of most other airlines though? It is right now, it's a lot about surviving, you know, and there's airlines like Qatar yeah. Airways who have a massive funding, government funding, and right. this is a definitely not fair competition. However, they they took, uh, that's they, that's an opportunity and they grabbed it um, and they, they, they're trying to make the best out of it. And, and there was a time when no airline was flying and uh, the, the rulers of Qatar were funding like mm-hmm. uh, the, the trips we are making, like, and they were working with governments, we were bringing people home and that was a gift from Qatar. You know, they might not make any money from this, but they, they stayed in the air and they had an amazing Corona concept, but it's a matter of money while Lufthansa mm-hmm. is um, like, it's purely trying to survive, you know, with their, uh, their fun, like their rescue funds and whatever they have received. It's just purely about surviving, reinventing yourself and uh, hoping that after the Corona, uh, after the pandemic, it will be which airline stays in the mm-hmm. air the longest because they will one after one, they will collapse because we won't experience high prices or anything like this. Um, Absolutely not. It will be complete the opposite that you will have the lowest prices you has ever seen in the industry because we kept all those airlines alive, artificial, 
And now all of a sudden it goes back. There'll be no rescue funds anymore. So airline will have to try to stay alive maybe a month longer than your competitor so they can grab their yeah. their passengers, their their customers. You know, it will be a very, very interesting time after after COVID. And I think uh, we may have been we may be seeing the first domino fall in Asiana with Korean taking it over. That's Asiana is a great airline, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. And to see them go is uh, a shame. But yeah. um, I guess it was bound to happen. Well, you're probably of course, it's it's like, and I don't know the deal exactly, but maybe Kevin, have what's the exact deal? Uh, uh, Korean Korean Air is taking over Asiana, yeah. right? I think for a little yeah. over a billion US dollars, which seems mm. very unvalued to me, but they also have a high uh, load of debt. Mm. Yeah, that was known exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So they will they will buy the brand as well, or like they will rebrand, or they will make it they will merge. Um, you know, they haven't specified what that is, but I find it hard yeah. that. Uh, they will compete against themselves with two brands, but I mean, a lot of Asian carriers do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because I don't think because our, uh, Asiana is a strong ba- brand uh, right. with uh, with a very strong uh, like uh, like a, a customer base as well. So, um, a, a very very interesting probably uh, to look into it, and uh, I think it's more in their favor probably to keep. Uh, Asiana alive as 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 such, yeah. you know, because people mm. yeah, people who love out. the brand, people who love the brand will stay will stay with the brand, and that's what happens yeah. a lot. Even in the U.S., when they kill the brands, you know, like when Delta took over Northwest, um, there are people in Minneapolis that they love Northwest, and the fact that Northwest is not there anymore, um, they don't even want to fly Delta just because of that. And same thing with United and Continental. Um, uh, that's that kind Look of thing. Eastern happens. Airlines, right? And Eastern, right? So people, and um, people, I, even in, in I give an example in Jamaica, people love Air Jamaica. And when uh, Caribbean Airlines uh, took over, well, it was BB at the time took over Air Jamaica. Uh, people in Jamaica was like, I mean, people were in tears because they wanted to see the lovebird, and the lovebird, which is the the bird hummingbird on the tail, was not there anymore. And so even to this day, there are people who have Air Jamaica no longer there, but there are people who have that. Oh my God! You took my airline away. Thing, so um, it's always good to keep the brand if you can because people like the brand. Um, yeah, they have a strong network as well, especially uh, like uh, uh, Transpacific, and uh, uh, they. I mean, I can't see them vanish. You know, I don't think that this yeah, is. I think they. Time. I think they're going to work on a on a deal. They probably keep it uh, as Yana. Um, a, just as it is, but uh, probably have a different strategy and, and, and mm-hmm. uh, introduce a new concept. Also, yeah. one final question. Do you ever get invited by airlines to fly them? Not that often anymore, to okay. be honest. And I knew Kevin was going to laugh about this. So I was just waiting for it. Um, <laughs> To be honest, now I think I have. Uh, I, I <laughs> yeah, I have to laugh about it myself. It's actually quite funny. Now I guess uh, most of the people who make those decisions, they all know me. You know, I'm like a, pre- a pretty well known in the industry uh, for 
uh, lots of positive, mainly positive things. But of course, there have been hiccups, and they don't know when there's something happening in the airline industry. It's like a great example of like oh, that's how we not do it. You know, if there's every and ever a YouTuber on your flight and he posts something mid-flight and don't cut him off. You know, that's a very important lesson. Um, I guess uh, they now. I, I guess they know that I'm self-funded. Uh, that's what what I advertise, and mm. I, I do get invited by uh, delivery uh, flights. For example, Airbus uh, invites me quite often, but um, I haven't received anything in a very long time. I think this year I haven't gotten anything, but I, of course, because of COVID, year. it's a weird year. But uh, no, I usually, uh, yeah, not that not that often as you mm -hmm. would you would probably think. But uh, that's probably because they know that I don't take freebies. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's one of another final question. Sorry, Coben. No, no, it's okay. Uh, I You're the one asking the last. So carry on. Do you have a favorite aircraft type? I guess now I know that's a very broad question, but let's say among the wide bodies and the narrow bodies, there's not that much of a choice. But in the wide bodies, I really enjoy the Airbus A350. I think it's a beautiful plane. Okay. And I had the opportunity to be on a ferry flight of the first 350-1000. So we picked it up in, in Toulouse and we ferried it back to Doha. Um, but like I look at the 350 and I see a lot of class. I, it's a beautiful design. And also the extra white cabin makes a bit of a difference. You know, like, uh, for example, the Dreamliner can't accommodate the Q-suite because of those few centimeters that um, uh, okay. that uh, the 350 gives. But it's a beautiful, beautiful plane. But I also do enjoy the Dreamliner. I enjoy a 380 from the comfort it gives. But usually when I'm at the airport, I do enjoy looking at the 350. A plane that I always wanted to fly but never got the opportunity to was the MD-11. I think the MD-11 is a beautiful uh, plane, but um, beautiful I'm sure flight. you two, I'm sure you two have been on the TriStar <laughs> or on an MD-11, but I was little, unfortunately. Are you saying uh, we're born. old, Josh? Is that what you're really? saying? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you guys, like I'm sitting here with two bald guys, like what are you saying? <laughs> Uh, but you're correct. We have been on the TriStar. We have been on the MD. There you go. Like, I was like, so I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't sugarcoat. With all due respect, you guys look very experienced and very wise. And I wish that one day I have the knowledge and the experience you two have combined. Yeah, it's good. I, 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 I enjoy, I enjoy watching you and, uh, and, and also the, the interaction that you have with your audience is pretty amazing. Like he'll post something and he goes, yeah, send me a question. I'm like, hours later, you're still answering these questions. It's pretty amazing uh, how many questions people, that people just sit in there, what's Josh up to next? What's Josh up to next? So, well, speaking of that, what is Josh up to next? What is Josh up to next? Uh, I am uh, going to be honest that uh, traveling during, during COVID took a, quite of a toll on me. It took a, toll on my on my soul because the industry I love so much has changed and doesn't really exist anymore. Flying is yeah. not an experience, it's not joy. You go into the airport and you always uh, wonder, is the flight going to happen? Is there going to be some changes? Are the borders going to be open? And I was sick and tired of being the corona police. 
you know i was like i'm not the one who i like my job was to like uh introduce products you know and now i'm more like pointing out where is there a a, a great covid concept where they're lacking you know because it's about lives it's about industry it's about we have to do it right and you advertise a lot of things uh so i was after this but it's 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 very hurtful um to do so because there's a lot of people losing their jobs so where's the focus? What are we going to protect? Who am I speaking for? Um, where is my focus? And this is where I found myself in a bit of an identity struggle that this is not what I'm here for anymore. So I decided to take a break and uh, just uh, leave traveling for now and i haven't seen my girlfriend uh, since march either because we've been separated uh, because of the pandemic mm-hmm. and she's a she's a cabin crew as well like singapore airlines and yeah. um so now i am trying to get into the travel bubble i'm trying to get to uh to uh singapore so i've um have to work out how to do this but i have a friend who has a business in uh, in vietnam so and he is needing some uh filming work so he can invite me to vietnam which is very fortunate right now it's a fortress to get in there and once you are there you have to quarantine for two weeks uh believe it or not i've never had a proper quarantine uh since i started uh like so wow. i'm actually very much looking forward to two weeks in a hotel and not being able to leave um as, as mad as that sounds with hong kong though Singapore. Exactly. It has a bubble with Hong Kong. It has a bubble with Vietnam and it has a bubble with Brunei. And uh, uh, soon, um, yeah, New Zealand and uh, Australia are soon to be added to that bubble as well. Mm -hmm. So um, this is my plan uh, that by the end of the year, hopefully I have my feet on the ground in uh, Singapore. And then I think I will still give it a long break because i'm not very eager to travel at the moment and and to repeat myself over and over be saying okay this airline is doing this in terms of covid and they are not so right now i am on a i'm trying to burn all my corona fat (laughs) (laughs) i see those steps in the mornings uh so that's good and i have uh, my yeah. yeah No, that's good. And I, I totally hear what you're saying about that. I know Kusha has to run, right? I totally hear what yeah. you say, you're saying about um, the, the not feeling like you want to travel. And I had the same thing. And I've on the phone once during all this. It's, it's really as a drain on you of what's happening to our industry. And um, I don't know if Kusha feels the same way when he flies. You've flown, you've flown a few times as well. Yeah. I think the industry will come out stronger. I really do believe that. It will. And smaller, because it needs to be smaller, because yeah. we've been, there's too much ego, and a lot of these guys just expand like crazy, and it's like, really? So, um, yeah. But you're right, Josh, it's, it's a lot of people getting affected, and I think we tend to forget that, right? When you hear that airlines are parking 747s, that means that no one's flying the 747. There are no flight attendants on them. There's less people taking care of them and things like that. So... And I'm also worried about the, not the Boeing cares, about the 777-9, because I think that's going to be such an incredible aircraft. And it's just coming out at the wrong time. Yeah. But no fault of Boeing's. No, no. And, and so, Boeing needs a little pep to their steps. So. Yeah. Uh, right. Just tell, tell us how we can tell our readers, our listeners and watcher viewers, how we can find you on you know, all, your, all your social media channels. 
Oh yeah, I think the best thing is just like Google my name, Josh Cahill, and it will all come up. Um, uh, it's very easy to find me. And uh, yeah, so I do on YouTube. And yeah, once you hit it on Google, you will find uh, all my profiles. There's uh, um, a link probably to my YouTube channel, uh, on my Wikipedia article, I think there's uh, uh, all those uh, links. So you can't really, you can't really miss it. You know, Josh Cahill. And if you Google it, Maybe you spell uh, it. Uh, J O S K L C A H I double L. Very cool. Like the football player Tim Cahill in the in in Australia. <laughs> uh, there you go. So you know that you're big when you have a Wikipedia page about you. I, I don't even have a Wikipedia page about me. So Josh, you're the man. <laughs> <laughs> With all humbleness, but uh, uh, I like I don't know. Like uh, uh, there's people there's people that have a lot of time during COVID. They don't know what to do, so they come up with the most unnecessary wikipedia articles nice no, good, so, good well thank you josh i i really thank you very much it. yeah it, it's been good for you to take some time with us well um post has been josh cahill now go check josh out just google josh cahill um he's all over youtube and you'll find him um we are on spotify we are on apple um just google what's happening in travel this has been another episode of what's happening in travel with my buddy Kushra always misses his cue, Josh. This <laughs> <And> my... <laughs> was the second I thought it was my turn. <laughs> That's my problem as well. I know, yeah. it's funny, right? And our special <laughs> guest. Josh. <laughs> there we he go. wants to say thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. It was a great aviation chat. I missed that. And yeah, uh, yeah it was really a, a great pleasure being part of the podcast. Very good. You're welcome. Thanks, Jess. See you guys soon. Bye-bye.